What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 45 of the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we have an interview with Stafford High School football coach, Brian Mazzone. That was really good to talk to him about uh, old radio, um, coaching, and writing in the media. So uh, definitely an interview I had a good time doing. Hopefully get him back on uh, at a later point of the show. But yeah, stay tuned for that. That's coming up next. Um, this week, we have one more episode. We have our usual Friday co-host, Kyle Meneker. Um, he just had a big game versus uh, Merrimack today. So looking forward to talking to him about that. And an interview that I taped today with motivational speaker Alan Lazaros. So stay tuned or keep keep an eye out for that and stay tuned for our Brian Mazzone interview. Thank you. Now joining the show, I have coach Brian Mazzone, coaches at Stafford High School, is a Westfield State alum and used to write for the Enfield Patch is what I've been told. So how are you, coach? The Enfield Press. Not Enfield, Enfield Press, Patch. my apologies. I'm that was, sorry. <laughs> that was back when we were a newspaper that you had touched, not in the internet one, you know? What were you writing in there? Were you doing like the sports stuff or just going around town writing about uh, everything going on? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was a radio, TV, and journalism major when okay. I went to college and I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, so throughout all four years of college and then probably my first two years out of college, I wrote local sports. So I did everything from high school, football, basketball, baseball, wrestling. Um, I did a lot of stuff in the summertime about kids going off to college. Um, oh, I, did okay. literally, I, did, I did anything I could get my hands on. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I wrote for that sports department that's still out. Um, I did that for a couple of years in like 2012, 13, 14, but then I just got too busy with my own stuff. I stopped doing it. Um, gotcha. I miss it. I like it. I, 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 just, I love sports and I, I wanted to be a sports writer. I love to write. So that's, how I, you know, I was taking anything. I was taking Little League, you know, whatever I could get. Um, yeah everything just think of it as like practice for getting ready to be like what you said you want to be a sports writer so just literally writing about anything because it can all translate little league is when you're writing about it is not that different from writing about high school baseball no it's the same it's, it's really the same I had to do a lot of American Legion which I'd be gotta, I gotta be honest with you I enjoyed the little league better than American Legion um, really American, oh American Legion was brutal um, <laughs> but then you know it was funny I was doing a ton of features about kids from Enfield that were playing in college. I like and that. I went, I went through like a year where every kid I wrote about who was supposed to play in college, I'd write this story about a really nice job. They would all get cut when they went to college. I was like, yo, I need to stop writing about these kids. You're, you're jinxing <laughs> them right off the rip. You're... <laughs> I know. It was like everyone either had a financial issue or they got cut or something like that. Yeah, it, was it kind just of funny. fell through. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. I felt like a real jinx for a while, but nobody ever said anything to me. It was just my friends picked on me. So you wanted to be a sports writer. What was your ideal job? Like you're, you pick radio journalism major at Westfield State. What is freshman year Brian Mazzone thinking about doing after college? Like the ideal landing spot? Well, you know, it, it's funny watching you do what you're doing right now. That's mm -hmm. like, that was like ideal. Like you're yeah. sitting here talking about sports, talking to your friends. Like my, my, my sister-in-law has always said, me and my brother were Barstool Sports before Barstool Sports existed. Just go be obnoxious and talk about sports. <laughs> but I wanted to do, I actually wanted a play-by-play -play, um, in, in radio and baseball. Um, I really wanted to do, be a part of a team and kind of, you know, 
follow a team to be a baseball announcer. Um, oh, okay. But the one thing that kind of happened was I just got thinking about life. And, and to be honest with you, my, my ultimate goal, I always wanted to be a dad and I wanted to be a husband. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I did a baseball thing, I was going to follow some teams all over the country. I was going to be in like single A cities and double A teams. And I'm yeah. a Yankees guy and I wouldn't be getting the Yankees and I end up somewhere else. And I kind of lost interest as I went on. And then I thought I might want to do sports talk and do sports writing because the two often go hand in hand. You know, so like mm-hmm. I thought, could I write for a newspaper? and do something on the radio um the thing the job's hard the thing that sucks about baseball commentary because like i've heard about a couple of the shows i listen to a lot of guys get into it and they start with like like you said a single a team in like west virginia and you're making less than twenty thousand a year and you have to do that and you essentially the crude way of saying it is you have to wait for somebody to die to pretty much get a job <laughs> as like the announcer for the Yankees or the Red Sox or just any major league team, you pretty much are waiting for somebody to either a retire or B die to try to get your shot. Or you could wait for like the Cincinnati Reds and it could just make homophobic slurs and then you could take a job. Yeah. Well, oh, so that was brutal. Well, what I was thinking was um, I, when I was doing some of the writing stuff, I, I was like, oh, maybe I could get in here. Maybe I could get in there. And it was the, the travel and the job was hard. Mm-hmm. So um, the Springfield Republican offered me a job when I was still in college. I was like, hell yeah. So I went that night with my buddies. I partied. I was all excited. I went to the interview to sit down the next day. He's like, yeah, we want to give you the job. You're going to cover this area. He's like, you can write uh, two stories a week at $45. And uh, you can only write for us. And I'm like, I make 90 bucks a week? Like, Yeah, that's <laughs> really. So. That's now, would that have been like per story or is that just like your flat rate? Like if you wanted to write more, could you have, but they would just wouldn't budge on like the pretty much the 90 bucks a week. No, they, they were just telling you it was like a insert, you know, like the Harper current does like an insert. It's like called the current community. Yeah. I would have done that for the Springfield Republican. And I would have written like two stories per week for that. And that's it. That's all the space they had for it. Um, and then you had to go like work other jobs. So like my first year out of college, I worked, um, I wrote for the Enfield Press, mm-hmm. Republican. I worked at Rock 102. I was a substitute teacher in Enfield and Ellington. I was a football coach at Ellington. And I worked as a park and recs director at Enfield. So not director, just uh, <laughs> so park and all. recs. We were doing everything. I was doing everything. And I was like, dude, I, don't, I, was, like, I was like, I think I just want to teach. You know, I was yeah. subbing and I enjoyed it. And I, I was coaching. I really enjoyed it. I said, maybe this is the path to go. Do you think you could have pictured yourself as a, in a few years, in Mike Francesa's shoes, where you're taking prank calls about uh, Senator Jason Giambi and <laughs> <laughs> all that other stuff? So, like, do you think you could have uh, seen yourself doing something like a Francesa, maybe? I, I always joke that I have a crush on Evan Roberts. Um, I think Evan Roberts is like the man. I love him. And I think he's so good at it. Um, And now he's doing with Carton. And I think he's, I think the show's funny, but I think Evan is such a good sports guy that I'm like, "Ah." but I told my brother, I was like, the reason I think I love Robert so much, because I think that could be me. Like I could totally be Evan Roberts. About the same age, same interests, you know, Um, he's just doing it. Are you a Carton guy? I I think he's really funny. Um, I think he's really funny. Um, Do I think he's annoying at times? Sometimes I have to turn the show off because he's getting annoying. But like, I, I was telling my wife how I listen while I walk. 
Like, so mm-hmm. like I'll walk the neighborhood like an old man. Yeah, like, Kyle sometimes sees you a lot when he's walking. <laughs> yes, he does. I see the whole family sometimes. Um, but I'll just bust out laughing. Like, and yeah. so I'll be walking by someone's house. I'm like, bah! you know, because Carton's got me dying. I just think it, it feels so weird having him back on the air when he got out of prison. It felt it just, especially too, because he's doing a gambling show there too about like safe gambling. It just feels so out of place. Like I don't mind him back on the air, but the, having him do the gambling show, I just don't even think they should have brought. Yeah, isn't that he supposed to, to be like? Isn't he supposed to be like helping people with it? It's like responsible gambling, and yeah. if it comes out, like I, I honestly, I hope he's not gambling. But if it comes out that he still is. And he's also hosting a responsible gambling show. That's not going to be a good look, A, for him, and then B, for the company. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, it sounds like the show's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I keep listening, but I'm not as religious as I was the first month. Mm-hmm. Now, were you a Mad um, Mike and the Mad Dog fan, too? Yes. Yeah, I was huge Mike and the Mad Dog. I probably didn't get into Mike and the Mad Dog till probably midway through college. So maybe like... 2003 2004 i started listening a ton mm-hmm. and then they broke up at like 07 08 um yeah and I, I remember being really upset because they were so good together um i didn't i listened to mike more because it was routine mm-hmm. i didn't love mike and now i have i have i've had serious so i listen to mad dog a lot but i don't care about national i only care about new york sports i don't care about the raiders or the san francisco giants and stuff yeah i just want to talk about the giants and the yankees and stuff like that do you follow Funhouse on Twitter? I do. <laughs> yeah, I love they, him. <laughs> he posted today, I retweeted it, the uh, when Frances is talking about Daredevil, the Ben Affleck movie. He's like, he uh, is a blind, he's blind, he ends up getting superpowers, and Mad Dog goes right after he says, he's like, true story? Like, he thinks that, <laughs> he thinks that the whole Daredevil movie is, like, off, based off of a blind guy getting superpowers. It just, that might be my favorite moment that, or favorite clip he's tweeted out. They do, um, the guy, Gio, who's on The Morning with Boomer and Gio, mm-hmm. he does Francesa impressions, and I, they, like, kill me. Like, I'm dying. He was doing one about the vaccine the other day, and I was laughing so hard. Listening to Francesa do, like, the giant schedule or... Or a baseball schedule going through, like, loss. Because, like, he won't even elaborate. Like, he won't go deep into it. He's just like, Giants got the Giants got the Ravens this week, loss. All right, next <laughs> week they got the Steelers, loss. He, like, he just moves, like, barrels right through it. But he won't elaborate on why he thinks they're going to lose or why he thinks they're going to win. Just calls it how he sees it. Yeah, that's a loss. We ain't going to beat the Raiders. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's awesome. He's at this point, I think people are watching him not off of the fact that they enjoy him talking sports. It's the how funny he is unintentionally by a lot of the stuff he does. He has like a train wreck element. Yes. Yeah. 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 It just, and especially when, if you're listening and you get like two or three callers back to back that are all trying to mess with him, it's just, it's, some of the funniest radio you'll ever hear. Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. A lot of clowns out there today. Wait an hour to talk to me. Huh? A lot of clowns out there. There was one he took. It was somebody called. He's like, I know how I'm going to fix the Mets bullpen. You move Syndergaard to the bullpen, have him figure out what he's doing, and you bring up Jon Snow and Terry Lannister and have them uh, have them uh, in the rotation. 
And he's like, that, that'll never happen. Never happen. And it's uh, Game of Thrones characters that he's talking about. Yeah, so Yeah, it acts like he knows who they are. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he, he can never, and that's like a lot of the radio guys, they can never admit that they don't know who a player is or yeah. if they're wrong, which I is funny to an extent, but then it's like, you honestly, you obviously don't know, even if that was legit minor league players, you don't know who these guys are. You could just be like, I don't know who they are, but if they're, if they're good, they can work out, which I think right. is a big fault of a lot of guys like that. Yeah, that, and I think that's why I like Evan so much. Evan is so like honest and wholesome, and he just wants to tell. Oh, here's the here's what I think, and I've watched every game, and you know if I didn't watch this one, I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think he's not gonna give like his insight so on it. He's not if he has, didn't watch or doesn't know, he's not gonna give his insight. Right, right. So you coach high school football at Stafford High, the Stafford Summers East Windsor Co-op. When did you get into coaching? Well, or you said you started at Ellington. Was that yeah. your first job or? Well, so out of high school, um, you know, I thought I wanted to play uh, in college. And, uh, you know, I got recruited by a bunch of schools and I was really interested in the school Iona uh, College. Oh, yeah. And Iona had offered me a partial scholarship. It was, uh, I want to say they offered me like $8,000 a year. And okay. at the time it was like $26,000 to go to school. Jesus. So like my parents were like, we're going to make it work. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. And I was like, mm, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. I was like, so I had, to, it was, I applied to Central Southern Westfield, Iona. And I got into all, and I, I decided I, I just was going to go to Westfield and I hadn't visited it. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. My brother went there for a year and he transferred and I was like, yeah, it's cheap. I'll just go here. Yeah. And um, I kind of said, I wasn't, I, I, I said, I'm not playing football. I said, I'm, I'm kind of done. You know, I thought it was hot stuff in high school. Cause you know, I had a D one offer and, um this is d3 i'm so good i'm not playing d3 you know right right you didn't, and, you, uh, like you didn't want to stoop down to that level of playing oh of course i was like every dumb high school kid you know <laughs> um so that first year uh coach george thomas was the enfield coach for my four years yep. and he left for south windsor um i think like it must have been like june 20th or something it was the very last week of school so you had no time to hire somebody um so goucher got hired as the coach in august the very like the first week of august and the season was starting three weeks later and he was like 22 um you know he had been an assistant with us wow. and whatnot and uh i wasn't going i was going to school but i was kind of hanging around and he kind of heard that i wanted to help out so that first year in 2000 i was an assistant freshman coach and then i would come on varsity game days so mm -hmm. Um, I would actually, what would happen was Goucher was still a student. He was only 22. He was at Westfield as a student. So on Thursday, he would pick me up and I would come <laughs> home for the freshman game. Yep. And then I, the varsity practice on Friday and I'd be there for the varsity game on Saturday. I'd go back on Sunday. Um, so that was my first year. That's, I was able to, cause for school, we have a really long winter break um, from like December to the beginning of March because all our engineers go down on our ship to South America, but I was able to come back and coach wrestling and coaching when you're coming back and you're still, it, it's such, it's a blast. Like being at the practices, going to tournaments, it just overall is fun. And I helped out a little bit this summer with football. Um, but yeah, co like it's something about it's, it feels different than playing. It's just a different amount of fun when you're coaching out there and you've got kids looking up to you. Like they're, 
like looking to you for what they're going to do next. It's just a blast. Yeah, I had I had a lot of fun um, that year, but we hit. Um, I, I coached with this guy named Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes was a he was the freshman head coach, and uh, we were doing drills one day, and he's like, he's looked at me, and goes, "Why aren't you playing?" I was like, well, you know, I had every reason why I wasn't going to play. And he's like, no, seriously, why aren't you playing? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, you got the rest of your life to watch other people play. And he's like, go play. And that hit me. That hit me. And we came out Thanksgiving morning. That was mm-hmm. when we used to play Enfield Fermi. And uh, in pregame, I was just, I was trying to hide it, but I was like in tears the whole time. I was like, I can't believe I don't play football anymore. Um, so that's when I decided I was going to play at Westfield State. I said, all right, I'm playing. I said, enough of this hanging out. This is fun, but. But now what you want to do, you you don't want to start this yet. You you still have a couple more years where you could be playing football. So, yeah. And so then when I graduated college, um, I told you I had 55 jobs. Um, And uh, that was when, like, back in the day when they would put it in the paper. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, I wanted to come to Enfield, but Goucher had Papa Bear, Murray, and Ritter, all as offensive line coaches. And I was like, well, where do I fit in? You know, DB, I don't, maybe. I, huh? DB what's that? Receivers? Yeah, I was like, I, I wanted to do an O-line. So I was like, yeah. I, you know, I was like, I got to go find something for myself. And Ellington had an opening. Um, so I just, I called and uh, I went in for the interview. And they're like, we're looking for an O-line, D-line coach. And we'll pay you and you'll be the head JV coach. And I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. So yeah. um, that's kind of how I got rolling. So a little bit going back to when you started playing at Westfield, what, so you pretty much, I, I say like walk on, but you're, you've already, you're already a student there. You're getting on the team. Did you start spring ball with the team or did you start right into the fall when you were? Yeah, there? so 2001, they didn't have spring ball. They didn't put in spring ball to my senior year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so D3 didn't, didn't have that. Um, and D3, when you would get the fall camp, um, they used to like murder you in camp. It was like 25 practices a day, stuff like that. Um, so I went in fall 2001 and I was like, my roommate had played from the year before he was a receiver, but like, we didn't run in the same circle at all. So I was kind of like, I was kind of like on my own going in, like, you know, I knew people, but I didn't know people. And um, that first camp was really hard. It wasn't that it was like hard physically. It was that like, I could see that no one was really interested in me, um, oh, okay. meaning the coaches, because I, I was, you know, I wasn't a recruit. And instead of taking the route of like, hey, let's make sure they know who I am, I kind of took the lift of like, who are these guys not to think who I am? You know, who, you know, yeah. you know who I am? I, I got a D1 offer. Like, I'm so good. And, um, you know, it was kind of like big fish, small pond. I mean, at Enfield High, I started both ways for three years. And I played some as a freshman uh, on varsity. I played special teams. So I was always like a guy. And then I went to Westfield. I wasn't a guy. Um, so and we, they had sucked. Especially like even I went in as a recruit. And like I was one of the best kids on my high school team. And you get in there and it's like, but all 60 of these kids that are freshmen with me, they were all the best kid on their high school team, no matter if they were playing div- like top division one in New Jersey or D eight in mass at like a tech school. All these kids were really good kids on their high school team. It's a, it's kind of a shell shock when you get there. It's surprising. 
Oh, it's it's big. It really it's a blow to your ego, and uh, it hurts. And and I, I really, when I think back, I'm embarrassed about how I handled it because I I kind of pouted instead of working hard. Um, and I I could decided after like three games I wasn't going to play the next year. Um, my dad actually told me I could quit, and I was like, hell no, dad. You never let me quit anything in my life. I'm not quitting. I was like, I'll ride out the season. I won't come back. Yeah. And we were um and I thought it was because I sucked, but we went ten and zero that year. Uh. I was a third string defensive end. The first string kid was an All-American. Okay. The other defensive end was All-New England. And the kid that was the backup for the two of them, he ended up being All-New England two years in a row the next two years. That's just so, a tough spot to be in right there. That's it's... Well, in hindsight, I wasn't in hindsight, I was the third one. So it was like, oh, okay, like that wasn't that bad. But you don't realize that. So we hit like six and oh. I, I was like, I'm just gonna enjoy this. This will be it. Um and then we went 10 and 0. We won a conference and all that. And then at the end of the season, the kids in the team were my closest friends. And I said, you know what? I can't quit. You were like, I can't quit now. I just. Yeah, that, that's what it was. It was like, if my, everyone does it, what am I going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did it. And uh, I got, you know, I was playing D line the next year. And I said to myself, I said, you know, if I don't make travel squad, for this game, I don't know if I'm in. And uh, the first game I made travel squad and I was the first guy off the bench D line wise. I got a sack, you know, I got my first tackle, first sack. Uh, Who was that against? That. that was against Winnick. Okay. Um, which, which Winnick, you, so you know, Winnick is good. Or was it like flip because Westfield is not great now. Um, so was it like that, but it was like flip before like Western New England was like a laughing stock kind of team. We beat Western New England in 2002, 36 to nothing. And they got one first down the entire game. And it was on a pass interference call. <laughs> That's brutal. Oh my yeah, God. So, and, and they won games. They, I think they won like three games that year. Um, so I'd like to see who they beat. Uh, but we were good. You know, we went yeah. through that run there for three years where we were 25 and six or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So we went 10 and 0. Then we were 8 and 0, but we lost our last three games. We lost the bowl game, went 8 and 3. And then the next year, 7. Um, went to the conference tournament and all that stuff. But the, um, so that was, that was a good experience. And, and I was glad because I made my friends. And so that year I was the first guy off the bench and I played a ton. Um, I was in the rotation. I played all four line positions, both side ends. And then I played nose and three technique. Um, and that, that was a lot of fun. I had a great, I had a great time that year and all my friends were there too. So that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So you got a little bit back to now we're jumping back to coaching. You coached at Ellington. After that, what did you end up back at Stafford or at Stafford, or was there still what was in between that? No, so I had a weird thing. So um, I was at Ellington 04, mm-hmm. and then I became a teacher. And when I was at when I was subbing, I was subbing at Fermi. I got um, I got a, I got two long term sub positions for for women who got injured and uh, in English, and they had an opening. So I got hired as a teacher there. And when they hired me as a teacher. Uh, you know, Mr. Newton was the principal and he offered me the job. I was all excited. And he goes, yeah, but you're quitting Ellington. And I was like, what? I was all excited. And I was like, then I was crushed in the same moment. And he's like, yeah, I need you to quit. I need you to coach here. And I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, and yeah. um, after some bullying, um, you know, I, I realized that I probably needed to go to Fermi. So I went to Fermi 05. I worked for a guy named Paul Schmutz. Um, great, great guy. We were awful. Um, it was probably the least enjoyable experience I've ever had. I didn't, honestly, I, I, you know, I think about it now and I didn't really like the kids that year and I still don't like them now when I think about them. Um, we were lazy. We were, we just, we sucked. 
and it was just like a bad and we, we actually had pretty good talent um but it was just a bad atmosphere and i wanted out but the, the coach left uh, he retired and uh, a new guy came in pat wilkley in 2006 and then i worked with pat and i loved him loved him loved him i worked it was me pat and mr wanzer we were like uh oh that's pretty sweet yeah, we had a good staff and we had a couple other guys. My friend Jeff ended up doing it. Another guy, DC, did it with us. And um, we had a good run. And at the end of 2009, um, Pat was let go. It was kind of some parents came after him um, who were on our staff. And uh, they were like freshman coaches. Mm-hmm. And they got him kind of pushed out. And, uh, you know, when he left, I was like, I was angry. I was did, like so did angry. Did he end up coaching at Western New England? Yeah, he's, he's still, still there now. Yeah, he's like a tight ends coach there. Yep, he's been okay. there since he left Fermi. Yep. Okay. Um, Emery called him like a couple days after he heard he was gone, and he's like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'm in." Uh, All right. been there it's ever since. Hear that he at least landed at a like a pretty a, a program that was turning around, and then when he was there, he's still been there. They're nasty. It's crazy. Yeah, he said to me afterwards, he goes, "I'll never coach high school again" because he had been a college coach before. And then he was at Simsbury and he's like, I'll never go to high school ever again. Like, that's it. This is where I need to be. Yeah. Um, And that was good. So when he left, there was now a head coach opening. And uh, I was like 26 or 27. And uh, they offered it to me. They asked me, they they told me they wanted me to apply. So they didn't say, hey, the job's yours. But they said, you know, we want you to apply. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I, I have no interest. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you just fired this guy. And these two dads got him fired who are on the staff, whose kids are in the program. I can't work here. Yeah. Um, so I left and I, I call, I was just calling people trying to figure out like, do you have anything? Um, I called like three people off the rip and Ellington's like, actually, yeah. Our offensive line and defensive line coach just left. And I was like, take that. So I went there 2010 Um after 2010, I was kind of unhappy there. I, I wasn't, you know, it was a different role. I mean, I don't think I was ready to leave Fermi. Um, I had a lot of responsibility there. When What's they that? asked you to be the head coach, you just kind of felt like you needed uh, an excuse to not apply. So yeah, I think that I think that was part of it too. Um, you know, so when I went to Ellington, I didn't have a big role which I had at Fermi, um, and I wanted out, so I applied to be the Windsor Locks coach. I love. I I do remember this story. Um, uh, we we would talk about this whenever we were in your uh, classroom. This is one of my favorites, I think, here in this one. Yeah, so so you know the story. Um, yep. I go to Windsor Locks and I'm like pumped. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. I had and and I laugh about it now because um, my staff was really good. I had Mr. Wanzer was coming with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Knickerbocker, who's the Rockville yep. coach, who's been very successful in his first couple of years there, he was coming with me. He was a teacher over there, uh, and this kid Eric Sanger, who was a he's a coach. He's been a coach in Suffield and in um, Ellington now. And he, um, I had a great staff and guys that were going to come with me. And that was a situation where the coach had been fired by his staff who were dads. And the guy told me I had to take these dads. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not taking them. <laughs> and we had, we had this back and forth battle and he wouldn't let me hire any of my friends. Um, and then they sat me down for this meeting and told me like, you're going to fall in line or else. And I was like, what's this? And yeah, like, or else what? like what, what are you going to do? Like, well, they just attacked me and I wasn't expecting it. Like they ambushed me. It was the Suffield AAD and the Windsor Locks AD. And they just came firing at me. You, you tricked us. You're not who you said you were. And I was like, 
the hell is this? And I lost my cool. Like I dropped a couple F bombs. I probably shouldn't have lost. And um, he gave me an ultimatum. He said, he said, here's your options. One, you fall in line, do a good job, and maybe we'll rehire you at the end of the year. Two, you don't listen to us. You coach the season and it will fire at the end of the year. Or three, you can walk away from the program. And I was like, I knew my answer. Yeah. Um, but like I left and I remember I called my dad and I was like devastated. And um, then I called all the guys I had coaching with me. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I just can't do this. And um, I called everyone I knew in coaching. And everyone but one guy told me to quit. And I went in there on Monday and I quit. And the guy was like, what do you want me to do now? And I was like, I don't know. I'll hire somebody. Like, it's your They're thing. prepared for you to fall in line. Just kind of fall on your sword and just pretty much take it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll keep these two dads and the staff and at least give them a year to figure out who was going to be the next guy after that at, le- at least um and when you did that that's kind of a big just a bomb dropped on them well i just didn't know like how i could work with the guy mm-hmm. you know like after that meeting how do you work with that guy yeah you get kind of, you get ambushed they pretty much they jump you pretty much and it's like if this is my pretty much one of my first experiences with you guys how can i trust you if we have an issue on the team or something like that where I need to meet with you guys again. And you don't like, I kind of know you don't have my back either. So that's definitely a big, a big issue. Yeah. So, so, so that's what I did. And, and luckily Ellington didn't fill my position. So I just went back to Ellington and um, they actually gave me a bigger role, which was, which is, it was nice. So I was really happy there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a coaching change. Keith Takis, um, he retired. And then um, Sean Byrne took over and I worked there for a couple of years. And the last year I was just really unhappy at the end. Um, and I decided I needed a change. I needed some sort of change. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I had a couple offers to go places that, you know, I was really thinking about a lot and I just didn't know how they'd work out. And then the Stafford job came open um, and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. So you're there now. You've had a ton of success there, making, making it to the playoffs uh, pretty much year after year now. Um, what do you attribute the reason you guys keep having this type of success? Because Stafford, I mean, I played them in youth. They always had a pretty strong youth program, except especially when I played, they had Colton and Jeff and all those guys, but you were still making the playoffs before that and after that. So what's been, what's been the trick to turn them around? Well, I certainly got lucky. Um, I got lucky in two senses. Number one, we got we we had a good amount of talent. We've had a good amount amount of talent. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, some years better than others, but yeah, we had kids. Um, so we've been more athletic at the skill positions, and and, and that goes a long way. Um, the other thing that's weird is sometimes you go to a losing program. Like I went to Fermi, and when we went to Fermi. Those kids and those parents didn't want anything to change. It was a loser attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't want more lifting and they didn't want you to change people's positions. And it was like, we're happy. We're one in nine and we're happy. Um, but we're going to complain. We don't win enough, you know? And when I went to Stafford, it was like these people and these kids were like, pay attention to me, pay attention, pay attention to me. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. And it was like refreshing. So it was like, wow, these kids like want this. They Like in other places, it's like, leave me alone. You know, it's kind of like they just um, needed somebody to come in and not even just change the culture. It was just like reassure them pretty much. 
that if we do this, this, and this, we will be successful. Yeah. And the thing I didn't know, um, you know, I coached against them for years and I'll be honest with you, like coaching against them was a joke. It was like, you know, you didn't have to do, you'd, you'd try new things that you wouldn't normally try against teams. Yeah. You knew the game was going to be over at halftime, but I look back at who they had because these kids have coached for me. I'm like, damn, you guys were good. Like you were pretty good, but you sucked. And they're like, yeah, well, we didn't lift and we didn't have film and we didn't do this. And I was like, so you guys just needed structure, you know? We're ill um, yeah. And, and, and the biggest thing and Andrew, this is true anywhere. The weight room, my kids all come to the weight room. It, they buy into the weight room. And when you buy into the weight room, you're going to win games because you're going to get stronger. You're going to get more confident. And there's going to be a better team unity just because you're all there together. You know, yeah. um, oh, my kids. The kids, I, like, sorry to cut you off, but during COVID, it's very tough because a lot of the high schools, no visitors pretty much. And you're not dealing with just one, you're dealing with three. So how have you been able to keep, pretty much keep these kids accountable? It's been the worst, most challenging, frustrating experience ever. Um, we played our fake season in the fall. Yeah. And we got till the second to last week in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing a study hall with the kids. And then one day I got to the school and they were like, yeah, Summers East Windsor kids no longer allowed in the building. And I was like, what? And they're like, they can't come in the building. And I was like, so what am I supposed to do? They're like, well, when the Stafford kids are doing that, Summers kids just have to go to the field. I'm like, we've been together three times a week since July. Like, yeah, what's, what's the big deal? Point? Right, so they wouldn't let them in the building. So now I couldn't do my meetings. I couldn't do my study hall. I couldn't lift, which we were doing all those things that we were doing. So um, the last two weeks were insane. It was just like, get off the bus, run to the field, get out. So now, till this point, still today, um, we can't lift as a team. So I can't, I haven't really seen my kids. I went to a basketball game just so I could see them. Um, And, you know, I worked at it and it it was, sucks. So we're doing like, right now we're back, we're back to the stupid summer virtual training where like we have to record each other lifting and do it that way. It's, It's really hard. It's really hard. But the one thing I am happy about is I feel like I, my roster's small as 36. I got like 16, 18 kids that are, they're going hard. Um, and that's good. That's good. Cause those are my players. So uh, that makes me happy, in but the, it's hard. In the Pequot, it's like, I played in it for a year. Like you kind of get teams, you get a lot of teams that have the small roster that a, like 13 kids are going to play. Usually yeah. it's like the, your quarterback may or may not play. Sometimes he's playing safety or linebacker. Um, and then you've got like some linemen that may not play, but everybody's usually running both ways. So especially if you've got that core 20 that are going to be, that are working their tail off right now, it's, it's going to be, it's going to pay dividends. Yeah. And it's funny how much it's changed since you were a freshman. Um, we have Rockville now and they're big. Yeah. Um, you know, my first year we played Rockville, they had 70 kids. Um, Canton folded. So Canton's with Granby. Yep, so they have 60, they have 60 kids. Um, Buckley folded near with SMSA now. So they're going to have 25 more kids than they've had. Mm-hmm. So like our league was kind of like, you know, you, when you were there, you know, there's a couple teams like, oh, yeah, that's a win. That's a win. It's not well, really that way anymore. When I was there, we, uh, we didn't win any games. So I didn't have any that I knew were going to be a win or a win. It was like, we had Nanawag the very first game. And it was, we were, I'm like, I don't even know where 
these guys are from. I'm like, we should win this game, right? And no, we got beat like by 17. I'm like, shit, I guess it's a little more legit than I thought. Like these schools out of nowhere are going to be better than I thought. So I remember being shocked. Nottawag was tough that year. I remember they beat you game one. I was like, what? Nottawag won a game? Like, because Nottawag had been terrible. Yeah, um, they, they beat us that year too. They were a big team, like overall, like they had good players. I think they just had a, it was a wave of a senior class that was good athletes overall and just a tough team. But yeah, it was like a, a good running back and good, good, tough lineman. Yeah. Their running back was really good. Their linemen were good. That was my first, our first game. I was on special teams and I like tried to square up a linebacker coming down kids, bigger, stronger, faster than me, especially freshman me. It was, I was seeing stars. I got up and I was like, just walked over to the side. <laughs> I was like, it was the end of the game. I was like, I don't even know why I tried to do that. <laughs> it's the first night, you know, first game. You're out there under the lights. You got to lay out, you know? Yeah, it was definitely, I was like, oof. Uh, so now this is what high school football is. You realize it once you take that first real hit. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly a little different than the Ramblers. Yeah. So you coached in the all-star game, um, the Connecticut versus Connecticut all-star game which unfortunately I was not able to play in. I was bummed out about that. I had my grad party. I don't know if my mom can hear me right now, but I, <laughs> I tried. You and Cam. Yeah, I tried every which way to get out of that grad party to play in that game, but that she wasn't having that. But what was that experience like? Because you got the players uh, that you had coaches for. So, like, you were with Coach T, so you got the Enfield guys. Um Rockville I'm assuming too and but then you had to kind of draft kids what was that whole experience like so I was a part of the Rhode Island game the year before so we played Connecticut versus Rhode Island um and you only needed I think we had 45 50 kids when we had tryouts it was mobbed it was like there was like 100 and some kids and it was like it was legit and I was like wow we'll get some good kids and we cut some good kids so when we went the next year for Connecticut versus Connecticut we went to the tryouts and there was like no one there and I was like I was like, is this for real? We got, we need a hundred kids now. We don't need 50. Um, and we got like a crummy turnout for it. Yeah, and, that team uh, when you guys played Rhode Island was pretty legit. I mean, you had division one quarterbacks, you had really big and athletic linemen like that. That roster was stacked. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, so, you know, that, that next year we were, we were hurting for players. So you kind of went out recruiting kids, asking for play. And um it's funny, we did the draft. So you got a draft, so you sit down and it's, it's whatever. So most of my friends from the other staff were all centrally located in Connecticut or further south. Mm-hmm. So it's generally better football. Yeah. And me being a Pequot guy, I got everyone for the Pequot. And I love the Pequot, but we're, you know, the second smallest league. People kind of don't regard us the, the same way. So I drafted hard with linemen. I went after the linemen, the biggest. And the yeah. skill guys kind of fell. Now I got lucky, Raycon. I got the first pick, and I got Raycon Tompkins. That was huge. And you got what's his name, Commander too at running back. That that backfield is one that I do I would not want to play against on a Friday night. Seeing two guys that are under six feet tall that have Saquon sized legs and are just going to either run through you or run past you. Commander was nasty. Um, the hard part with Commander was I didn't know whether he was going to show up or not. Coach, um, he was like told me he, that you uh you got in his shit one day and pretty much we were you were like I have uh I have another kid at this position like I don't need you to play and that kind of lit a fire under him and he balled out. 
yeah, he showed up the next couple of days and then it was like, all right, let this bowling ball just run, you know? Um, so when we drafted the team, I left that night and I was with uh, Matt McKinnon, who's the weather show play coach, Jeff Russell. Uh, he was with me at Stafford and he was at weather show for a long time. And I was like, guys, we just got hosed, man. Like, I was like, they got all the New Britain kids. They got most of the Middletown kids. When they I got- saw that draft, because we played New Britain, I saw they got the majority of the New Britain kids. I was – like, if I were a betting man, I probably would have bet on that team because I had played against the majority of these players, and I knew that they were pretty legit. But you guys put it to them. I mean – I was like, they're going to kick our ass. And I was kind of like – the night before the game, I'm like reading the rosters. And I'm like, damn, they got this Maloney kid too. And they got the Southington kid. And I'm like, oh God. I was like, we got the Pequot All-Stars for the most part. And we came out and, you know – we played great. And I just remember afterwards, it was funny because the guys who were with me who were not Pequot guys, I think they kind of felt that way too. And they're like, did we just really win with like the Pequot all-star team? I'm like, damn right we did. Yeah. Um, so I thought it got our league a lot of respect um, at that moment too. Cause you know, I had kids like Jameson came and played really well. And um, you know, our guys played well, Cody Messier played really well. And uh, um, you know, there were so many across the board. Uh, that kid Miguel Gonzalez from Wizards, he was really good. Oh, he hits like a drop too. He, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, they like they were really able to kind of shine that day, um, and that was cool. That was like a, that was a good experience for them. That's awesome. Now, do you think, obviously not this summer, but hopefully next summer, find a role back? If you guys are either going to play Rhode Island, play Connecticut again, um, do you hope to find a role back there? Because I mean, it looks like a great experience, whether you're an assistant or a head guy. So what the deal is, is you can only be the head coach of the game once. Oh, okay. um, so usually after you're the head coach, you step out. So last year we were slated to play Connecticut versus Connecticut. And most of the guys that were on my staff were going to be with Chad Neal from Killing Leaf because he was with me. He was going to be one of the head coaches. Mm-hmm. And they made me like the, I was like the, they called it the director of football operations for Team Nutmeg. So I did a lot of the planning and organizing and getting the rosters together. And then we didn't play. Um, nobody's talked about it yet for this year. Uh, we'd love to have it back again. I mean, I was telling someone outside of the playoffs, um, you know, you win a game in the playoffs. That's really, that's really something big for you. Uh, that, that all-star game was one of like the best experience I ever had. And like when we won, I was on like cloud nine for like a week. Um, awesome. And it was cool. It was cool. Like my friends had fun. My family had fun. My dad was all fired up about it. It was pretty cool. It was a cool experience. Also with kids you don't coach year, like, for you haven't coached for four years, you're coaching with kids you've coached for three weeks. So that's pretty, it's a pretty, must be an awesome experience. Yeah. And it was, I'll tell you what, it's challenging too. Like I got to organize all these kids from all these schools and half of them, I don't know their head coaches. So like one head coach is all fired up for Andrew Diaz playing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then Andrew Diaz doesn't call you back. And then, you know, you go to another one and you're like, oh yeah, Andrew Diaz is, he's, he's really good. And he gets there and you're like, no, he's not really. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you don't yeah. know these kids. You're kind of just um, going off somebody's word. Right, right. So a couple of them, I had a couple kids that were like, not great players. And, you know, I'm, I was playing everyone, you know, I was, I was like, you're going to play. Um, but you just didn't have a real read on all of them, you know? Yeah. Coach, before I let you go, where are the Giants going at 11? I, you know, I keep hearing that Florida tight end, um, which I'm all for. Yeah, the Pitts kid. Uh, I hear Waddle. Um, if Smith somehow dropped to 11, I, you know, I jump out of this room. Um, I, I, I don't think they can go wrong with an offensive weapon because they don't have any. Um, I also keep hearing about the kid from Miami, the D end. 
Russo. Yeah, I mean, if they got a DNs, they do need that also, but I'd really prefer a wide receiver tight end. I'm sick of Evan Ingram. Um, <laughs> Ingram's do you, what do you think his trade value would be? Because I mean, he made the Pro Bowl, which is insane that that actually happened. Um, yeah. But he also, the majority of the league knows he's not good. Yeah, I don't know what he gets you. Like, does he get you like a fourth round pick? He also can't block. Like, he's not gonna stick his nose in and throw a block. So you risk like, all right, he doesn't have great hands, but he's gonna help you in the run game. He doesn't help you any which way. Well, his big thing is that he was supposed to be Mr. Hands. Like he was like, yeah. he was, I remember when they drafted him, he was another weapon for Eli. So honestly, they got one more possible two more years with him. I just keep him around. He's not costing you that much money. Um, and if you draft the Pitts kid, I don't know, maybe you go two tight ends and you have more success with that. And I don't know. I don't think he's like, I don't think he's that awful that you have to get rid of him. Yeah. But he's not a pro bowler. You obviously aren't going to re-sign him. Like, unless right. unless something happens where he breaks out in the next two years. And, like, maybe drafting Pitts is a good thing because it could light a fire under him and make him feel like his starting spot's in jeopardy and just elevate his game. I mean, that's obviously what you hope because Pitts could also play a receiver. If well, my big thing with ever, with Ingram was that I hated him before because he was always hurt. Because when he played, he played really well. And I was like, this kid's pretty good. He's always hurt. And this year he was healthy and he didn't play well, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a, a role reversal there. But I agree with you in the sense he was – and he was supposed to be a receiver too. Mm-hmm. Um, like he was more of a receiver than a tight end, just like Pitts. So – but they need a receiver. Um, so I – they just need offensive talent. <laughs> they don't have a lot of it. Yeah, that's definitely – I've seen a couple where they take, like, a tackle, like uh, Darasaw out of Virginia Tech or Vera Tucker out of USC. But, I mean, O-line's not a huge issue because, I mean, they need to get rid of – is Solder still around? He said he's coming back this week. Um, I'll be honest with you, if they could get him to restructure his contract and play him at right tackle, I'd be okay with him being back for another year or so. Yeah, I like um, – I mean, Pert's not bad. He, I think, I mean, he's an athletic freak. His arms are super long. And I mean, their O-line draft last year was really good when they got Thomas. I mean, they got him early. I mean, they took him at four. He didn't play like the fourth pick. Um, yeah. They got Shane Lemieux and Pert later on. And yeah. Lemieux played a lot. Pert played a little bit. And then you still have Will Hernandez. Nick Gates looks awesome. He's yeah, he does. one of my favorite players in the league right now because he's – not backing down from anybody, but and then you he love those centers. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's got the long hair, just tapes up his hands and his hands and wrist, and just goes at it with the best in the league. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm excited about their future. Um, I, I I hope. I mean, you got to get better than six and ten. I was I was looking the other day about what they've been doing, and they just you know I watch every game. They just have sucked so bad the past five years. Um, I'm sick of it. You know, I'm real sick of it. So just... Coach Mazzone, thank you for joining. Uh, I appreciate it. Def- maybe after the draft, I'll get you on. We can uh, go through the Giants draft class and see where they went wrong or where you think they went wrong. We'll, we'll find out, I suppose, you know, right after the draft. You always, we always know the answer, you know what I mean? Obviously. I mean, we listen to what Mel Kuyper tells us, we, uh, and that's how we figure out how the season's going to go. <laughs> Now, I was thinking this, though, because of Brett, um, you know, I think your big first live event post-COVID 
is you got to go to the Blitzkrieg Pro, Pro event if Brett is wrestling and you got to broadcast live from there. That would be awesome. That would be, go full suit with the, uh, with the microphone. That would be awesome. That's the move, man. You get Castle out there first round and then he comes and broadcasts the rest. Yep. yep. That would That's be, the move. That would be pretty awesome. That's I got big plans for him. So just let him know that. Okay. I will. I'm going to, I'm going to be talking to him in like five minutes. So. Perfect. Perfect. Thank well, you. I appreciate having me on Andrew and uh, I had fun and yeah, I'd love to come back anytime. Definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you.